0: This is Bad Boys at the Eye, with your hosts, Mike Pate and Keith Black Trudeau. That's it, baby, and a foul! Hey, y'all put it in the front page, back page, middle page, wherever headliners, call on us, so and we will win game two. Good pick, you We will
1: win game two. The game's over, and the Pistons have won the world championship! For the first selection in the 1988 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Clippers select Danny Manning of Kansas.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond, the fourth most popular basketball podcast in Mm -hmm. all of Ireland. I am your host, Mike Payton, and with me, as always, is Keith Black-Trudeau. Keith, how you doing?
1: uh doing great this is uh as as far as our redrafts go this is our our first uh redraft i think without a i think you would consider a quote-unquote superstar Uh, but on the flip side man there are there are a lot of uh really good quality players here maybe more than i think we've done to this point you know once you get past 14 15 16 yeah
0: yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, we are doing the 1988 NBA draft today. Uh, lots of uh, topics here, lots of things. As Keith mentioned, there's really no clear-cut superstar in this draft, but it is a draft full of you know guys that are going to give you you know plenty of years. Uh, role players. There's some some couple-time All-Stars in this draft. There's some names that you're going to rec- uh, recognize, but no, nothing that's going to, you know, stop you in your tracks when you see it. But first, before we get into that, there's some interesting things, some history to get out of the way in this in this draft. First off, there's two brand new teams in this draft, Keith. Who are they?
1: Yeah, the the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets and the Miami Heat join the NBA as of uh, the summer of 1988. And it was actually part of a four-team expansion. You're going to see two more additional teams uh, join in the summer of 89. And so the draft actually gets expanded by two picks in each round this year, and then it'll expand two more picks uh, next year. Now, it's sort of interesting. Traditionally, you give the expansion teams a somewhat high pick. Well, at, at least in recent years, I remember the Raptors and the the Grizzlies and the Charlotte Bobcats when when they joined, they all got high draft picks. Uh, the the teams today, the uh, Charlotte Hornets and the Miami Heat, actually go after all of the lottery teams, so they don't even own uh, quote unquote lottery picks. So that the the NBA kind of uh, did them wrong a little bit here, in my opinion.
0: Before we move on to the next little thing, let's let's talk for like two to three minutes, maybe four, about expansion. And do you think that there's going to be another expansion coming? I mean, I, the NBA sort of talked about it a little bit here and there. But um, it seems almost like a foregone conclusion that there's going to be a Las Vegas basketball team at some point. Um, maybe they go back to Seattle, maybe back to Vancouver again. Do you Do you see something like that coming soon?
1: Uh, vancouver there's just so much it's kind of weird because seattle didn't want to lose their team they didn't deserve to lose their team they were done wrong by the ownership at the time and seattle you know badly wants their team back on, on the flip side vancouver kind of kicked the nba out of town with their lack of interest so i i think the animosity for vancouver is kind of on the nba side like uh, this is really one of the biggest markets in in canada and you guys didn't want our league uh to begin with so i'm not sure if they're so keen on giving it another crack uh on the flip side i do think we're overdue for expansion if you look at it since 1997 that was 25 years ago wow i feel old mm-hmm. uh, in the last 25 years the nba has only expanded by one franchise i we're, we're kind of overdue i think especially with the uh the expanded playoff format—it's—it's it's a kind of a weird discussion, especially on social media. You can almost tell some uh, how old someone is by whether or not they think the NBA needs to expand or they need to contract. Old 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 timers think that the league has too many teams and there's not enough good players. Meanwhile, uh, younger uh, fans of the league will say that there's too many good players and we need to spread them out more. Uh, I I'm of the opinion. And I, I hate to walk on the fence on this, but I'm of the opinion that the the NBA is simply overdue for expansion. I, I do lean a little bit towards the younger side, where I, I do think that the NBA could probably spread out its talent just a little bit more. And let's all be honest, the NBA wronged the city of Seattle uh, 15 years ago when they they moved them out to. Oklahoma, they allowed them to be moved to Oklahoma City. Seattle deserves a team and Las Vegas is such a booming market right now. I I think it's a natural fit. Add Seattle as an expansion team, give them their championship banner back because they deserve it. Just pretend like they went on a 15 year hiatus. Uh, Give Las Vegas a team and then send one of the Western conference teams uh, East. So, So, yeah
0: that, that, that's kind of uh my take on it yeah no i mean that makes sense it, the, the only reason i bring up vancouver is because you know the the popularity of basketball in canada uh now versus you know yeah, then yeah. is so it's drastically different so i wonder you know i mean there has to be another basketball team in canada at some point like they just i don't know if that's in montreal or in winnipeg or um i, I don't know it just seems like they're Canada needs another team. can't just be Toronto. Um, and and then... Given
1: the given the proximity of Seattle to <laughs> Vancouver, that would be... I know the NBA tried to make it a, a rivalry at the time, uh, but look, I don't get me wrong, I don't hate... Van, I have nothing against Vancouver. I think Vancouver, theoretically, would be great for the league. I, I'm just not sure. Even with the e- explosion of basketball uh, in Canada, I don't know if it's maybe some Canadians could inform me on this. I don't know if that it's reached the Western part of the country or not, or if it's just relegated to that massively uh, dense population in Ontario with Montreal and uh, Toronto.
0: Well, uh, we've got, th- we're the 39th most popular basketball podcast in Canada. So somebody out there has listened to us tweet at us at bad boys beyond. Tell us is basketball popular in Vancouver right now? And, uh, we, we really want to know. Uh, so moving on to the next part of this draft now before 1988, the draft used to be almost like an NFL draft there, were six, seven, you know, rounds. They were super long guys that were getting drafted, who yeah. were going to work at enterprise car rental the next day, like they, they would never ever play a day in the league. And this year in 1988, it gets shrunk down to just three rounds. Keith, is there any reason why the NBA did that? I mean, or is it just an obvious reason?
1: From what I can gather, it's it's the obvious. But look, the, I think the only reason the NBA had that many rounds to begin with is simply because football had them, because baseball had them. But those are, you know, 20 in football terms, you're looking at 50 person uh, plus rosters where you actually can use those five, six, seven rounders to fill out your team. In, in basketball, especially in the 80s, you didn't have, you know, the the extra two-way slots that you have today. You didn't have the three extra injury reserve slots, which are not injury reserve anymore. They're just extra. So you only had essentially 12-player rosters. So what the hell do you need seven rounds for? You really didn't. And as I said before in a previous redraft, you, you, you did have good quality NBA players get drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth, sometimes even seventh rounds. Uh, But as as you'll see today, uh, this is the first year where you'll have good quality players go undrafted because they just slip through the cracks. But they wind up making good careers for themselves anyway because if you're that good that you're clearly an NBA player, you will get discovered whether you're drafted or not.
0: All right. Well, that is, uh, that is that there was one more thing right before this draft. There was uh, Charles Oakley and Bill Cartwright. That's when the trade happened. Cartwright mm-hmm. to to the bulls, Oakley to the Knicks, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, notoriously upset about it. Love Charles Oakley. Uh, but here we go. That's that.
1: That was that <laughs> by the way, with was everyone that, that constantly, uh, Craps on Jerry Krause, who was the Bulls GM at the time, and I know the the Last Dance documentary really kind of painted him as is the villain. But this this both this dra- uh, trade right here and the Tony Kukoc pick uh, later on in a upcoming draft, those were his shining achievements. Like at the time, everybody blasted him for trading Charles Oakley, a much younger you know, rebounding champion, for an older center who was clearly losing it uh, a little bit and bill cartwright but he did it to clear space for an even younger more talented player in horace grant and his team did badly need a center that could start and cartwright call him what you will but he still was a starting quality center almost until his last year in the league so i i do want to give a little shout out to jerry kraus on this one because he did he was a guy that knew what he was doing he he did have his faults and certainly the last dance pointed them out for like 10 straight hours, but he did have a very solid basketball mind. And this was one of those uh, deals that he made, which was nobody, no other GM in the league would have made this deal, but it was the right deal.
0: A Jerry Krause shout out. You don't get a whole lot of those, but uh, there we go. Um All right. Without further ado, we're going to get right into it. The 1988 NBA draft has begun. The Los Angeles Clippers are on the clock. And it is my turn to pick first this week. And I am going to waste no time. I'm going to sprint to the podium. And I'm going to select the only Hall of Famer in this draft. Uh, So with the first pick in the uh, 1988 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Clippers select Mitch Richmond from Kansas State. I mean... Keith, it's a no brainer. This is, he's the top scorer in this draft. He's multi-time all-star. You know, he was, he was one of the best two guards in the, in the league in the, in the nineties. Um, you know, this is a guy that you can absolutely build around. I no, no disrespect to Danny Manning, who is a, a fine player and I'm sure he'll, he'll have his spot in this draft, but this Clippers team is, 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 is garbage at this point. <laughs> I mean, they were really, really bad. And getting a guy like Mitch Richmond in there is is I think I think that's going to change everything. And then you got another pick coming up um, in, in two picks. I, I I got another guy who's going to fit right in with this. But I Mitch Richmond, it's it's got to be
1: the pick. So yeah, uh, Mitch Richmond, the the actual rookie of the year from this class. Uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, call. I know LeBron kind of termed a '90s two guard as you know the, the big uh, like hired gun specialist that shot first, second, and third, past fourth. Uh, you Mitch Richmond was was like the quintessential '90s two guard. Uh, he was good almost right away. He had a forty-seven, a forty-seven point game his rookie season. Uh, went to the playoffs. Really was. Golden State's best or second-best player, you could call Chris Mullen that, but he he tore up the Utah Jazz. And the the, the Warriors actually, they were a seventh seed going into the playoffs. They swept the two-seed Utah. Uh, R- Richmond had a wonderful career. Uh, he was the, uh, the M in the run TMC Warriors with Mullen and, and Tim Hardaway. And then the Warriors kind of, decided they, they didn't have enough uh didn't have enough uh, muscle up front and they they and I think one of the sillier moves of the 90s they broke that trio up after just two seasons uh traded uh Richmond for Billy Owens on draft day that was a disaster Billy Owens just didn't work out he was hurt a lot and Richmond became kind of like the the tragic story of the 90s uh from a career standpoint almost where he was stuck on this really bad, horribly managed Sacramento Kings team, but he was still making the all-NBA team at the end of the season because he was just so good. And I, I know kind of people kind of look at him as kind of like a, a punchline because he gets traded ultimately for the piece that does make the Kings a contender in Chris Webber, spends his twilight in Washington, and then he kind of just glomps onto the, the Lakers in, in I, I want to say, 2001 wins a championship ring there but really doesn't play at all but he look this is one of those rings discussions where richmond i think gets downplayed a lot because he never won anything significant uh you know being part of a team but he never really had that chance he never did and it really wasn't his fault so i i cannot argue with uh taking Mitch Richmond number one I would have done the same thing I I I think you put him on the Clippers look look, he's not a superstar I don't think I don't think he's good enough to change uh your team from a loser to a winner as he proved throughout his whole career he wasn't good enough to do it in Sacramento but you you find another good piece or two uh to put alongside him and I I think you got a contender
0: Speaking of the rings co- uh, conversation, I'm just kind of looking down the line here. You know, I can only find like, you know, aside from Mitch Richmond who who got his ring late with the Lakers, that's whatever. Uh, just having a championship in general, I can only I I'm only picking out like three or four guys uh, just just on first glance that that have won championships just on first glance. Uh, so this isn't a, a big uh, championship draft, um, but I guess no, no, not all of them are but uh, right well you are up sir with the uh um the indiana pacers
1: so uh the indiana pacers who if you remember our very our our second redraft in 85 uh it was between the pacers and the knicks and the knicks had the, the quote-unquote frozen envelope conspiracy. They they got the number one pick in Patrick Ewing, and the, the Pacers were stuck at number two, wound up with uh, Wayman Tisdale. The Pacers were actually the, the best team in the NBA not to make the playoffs uh, in 1988. They, they actually finished uh, seven games ahead of the Spurs in the Western Conference, and the Spurs actually made the playoffs. So, for and again, this is... Through almost the entire decade of the 80s, it's an equal opportunity uh, lottery. There are There's no weighted odds. So if you're in the lottery, everyone's got an equal shot. And the Pacers jumped right up to number two. So, no, if you're if you Indiana, you've got you, – you've had a hell of a run so far. You've got Chuck Person in, in 1986, drafted Reggie Miller in 1987. You're set at the wing positions for years. And right now, you need a big man. And I am actually going to stay the course. I am going to take Rick Smith's uh, number two overall. And I'm sure people listening to this are wondering why I'm not taking Danny Manning. Uh, basically, because you have to consider the era. You weren't going anywhere in the NBA in the eighties and nineties without a, without a legit center. And uh, unless you were the Chicago bulls or you had Charles Barkley on your team. And look, as good as uh, Danny Manning was, I I think it's much harder to find an all-star caliber center, which Rick Smith's was, and he was better for longer than Danny Manning. I mean, he Smith's made his first all-star game. I think 10 years after this draft. I mean, he he started out really slowly. the The word "bust" was kind of tossed around a little bit. Uh, big seven foot four uh, Dutchman. They they called him the Dunking Dutchman. And Larry Brown kind of started to bring the best out of him, and you started to see that that talent manifest itself because he had a for a guy his size. He he was almost Yao Ming ish like for the touch that he had for a seven foot four guy. Like Patrick Ewing used to hate playing against him. Really, really, really nice center. Very underrated. Even though they Indiana couldn't win a championship with him. I mean, he was an all-star. They made it to the finals with him. I Manning is objectively probably a better player, but if you look at the Pacers, they're gonna get uh Dela Shrimp eventually, and then they're gonna parlay him and Derek McKee. I think they're set at that that big forward position, especially with Dale Davis and Antonio Davis. But I don't see them getting a center as good or better than Rick Smith's uh, after this. So I, I am going to take Rick Smith's and I'm, I'm sure the Indiana media is going to skewer me, you know, what else is now?
0: No, I mean, it's, it's the right pick to make. It's, it's what I did in, in my little mock. Um, it, it's, you can't really go any other way it, and you'd got to have a center in the eighties. And Smiths was a guy that gave you some longevity. And like you said, he led the Pacers, well, he helped lead the Pacers to the finals. Um, you know, they didn't win because Rick Smiths could not stop Shaq. Uh, but
1: yeah. Nobody could.
0: Nobody could. So, <clears throat> all right. So we actually have a trade. The mm-hmm. Philadelphia 76ers originally had this third pick. Uh, what happened?
1: So the. Sixers, uh, for whatever reason, decided to trade down swap picks uh, with the Clippers at number six in exchange for a 1989 first round pick, which wound up being a great pick for them. It wound up being Hersey Hawkins. Uh, But at the time, you're you're kind of wondering, are you really at the top of the lottery trading down three spots for a future first? (laughs) That's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I don't understand it either.
1: But and it really helped
0: the Clippers out, and it's going to help the Clippers out again now, because uh, I I have a pick, and and I think the pick that I'm going to make is going to be um, I don't know if I'd say controversial, but I don't I don't think that anybody is is going to think that I'm going to go the way I'm about to go, even though I think it's perfectly legitimate. Uh, I'm just looking at the roster of this Clippers again. I mentioned garbage basketball team at this time. We have Mitch Richmond on the on the roster now. Um, you know, I'm looking at the centers. There's Benoit Benjamin, there's Greg Kite, and there's Joe Wolf. None of these guys are really, you know, besides Benjamin, are going to really do much for me. So I need a big man. And we talked up already about how important it is to have a big man. So I am going to go ahead and with the third pick, I'm going to take the Greek Peak himself, Mister ronnie cycling from from, uh from lebanon oh my
1: goodness
0: yep i went cycling this early look man i'm I'm just looking at the numbers and and the numbers tell me that this is a guy that over the course of his career is going to give me almost 15 points a game almost 10 rebounds a game almost two blocks a game Uh, i mean this is this guy could play uh yeah he could absolutely play and You know, his career kind of trended downwards, um, you know, in the late 90s when he started to get kind of hurt, had that little comeback with Orlando in 97. um, And, you know, but but pretty much until 98, he's he's a viable option. uh, And then, you know, then he heads over to Spain and all that stuff. But uh, Ronnie Cycli is I think, you know, Ronnie Cycli and Mitch Richmond. I love the pairing because I think Cycli is a little bit more of an athletic center. And uh, and he's going to be able to run and gun with with Mitchell a little bit. So Ronnie Cicley to the Lakers with the third pick. I don't think anybody saw that coming.
1: Yeah, I I didn't even see that, that coming. I mean, he was on my board, of course. Um, yeah. I look. This is the uh, this is the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they let's be honest, they have nothing going on right now. So you, right now, you've drafted two guys that are good almost immediately in Richmond and Cicley. I mean that if nothing else, that should give them a nice shot in the arm, because it's not like you have much to build on right now.
0: Right.
1: And on to another team with arguably even less to build on than uh, the New Jersey Nets, who just continue to stumble their way through the late '80s. Uh, look, there's there, there's a clear best player left on the board, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess around anymore. I'm I'm taking Danny Manning, and it's funny because this is arguably as bad a fit as there is in, in this draft because the Nets are only have one good player at this point. It's Buck Williams, who plays – look, Manning, I, I've been through this before. Manning, very versatile player. He could play the three. He could play the four. If you want to go small, he could play the five. Uh, one of the most dominant college basketball players of his generation, led Kansas uh, – Danny and the miracles is my, my good friend, Bryce Simon call, uh, calls them being a, a good Kansas boy. Uh, yeah, the, uh, Manning, even though he was clearly, I think the number one pick in this draft, I don't think he was as hyped as most of the other top picks of this decade. Uh, David Robinson was looked at as a sure thing, uh, Ralph Sampson was looked at as, you know, he was their pupil were putting him in the same breath as, you know, Kareem. Yeah, same with Patrick Ewing. But, you know, Danny Manning was just looked at as, you know, he, he's the best of this class, but I don't know if he's going to lead a team to a championship. And that's kind of how his career played out. Not entirely his fault. He suffered some knee injuries. His career was kind of short-lived, but he was an all-star at his peak. Uh one of the ultimate uh, glue guys were if you needed him to, to help out uh, be a defensive force, he could do that. He could put points on the board, even though he wasn't, you know, a superstar at it, he could give you 20 a game. If you needed that from him, Uh, he could be a facilitator. Uh, I, I I think he's one of those guys that would just fit right in, uh, in 2022, because that's the thing that we all look for now is in a player is versatility, especially in a big man. And that's, that's really what Danny Manning could do at at six ten, but could really do everything for you. Just wasn't great at any particular one thing. So, yeah, I'm going to take Danny Manning. I'm going to put him on the Nets, and I know Buck Williams at this point in his career is is getting up there in years. He's he deserves a chance to play in a winner. It won't be in New Jersey. So, we we know he's on his way out. So we have you know a, a fresh power forward to to step right in and fill those shoes
0: i i like it you know i had i honestly you must i don't know i don't know what danny manning did to me but i just was never a big danny manning guy so i had it much lower on my board but um but i get it you know i like it it's it's a fine it's a fine pick and he was he was a decent player i just um i don't know i guess i just didn't like him i don't know uh so the golden state warriors are up next And they uh, lost out on Mitch Richmond, obviously. He went with the first pick. And this team is, is still in need of a, of a two-guard. Um, you know, they've got Chris Mullen already that they're building around. Um, they've got a really old Ralph Sampson on the team as well. Um, or getting up there in years, Ralph Sampson, I guess you could say. Uh, but a, a two-guard is, is, is what this team needs. And there's, there's really one really great two-guard left in, in this draft. And, uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and take him so I'm going to select Hersey Hawkins to uh, join this team Hersey is a is a great player a former all-star um, guy that you know at, at, at one point in time was getting you 20 or more buckets you know 20 more points a game um and 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 has great longevity was able to be kind of a star in Philly and then you know was able to go over to teams like Charlotte and Seattle and kind of be more of a role player and fit in well and still, produce um you know he's gonna play till 2001 uh and uh you know it's a guy I, I like longevity in my players i like a guy who can play for a long time i like a guy who can give me a lot of years and hersey's gonna be that he's a good scorer um you know it it's not the most exciting pick in the world but hersey hawkins to the golden state warriors and it's what is it run THC oh my god it just got so much better <laughs> oh my god oh man it's run THC oh
1: man yeah. oh my god yeah put them along yeah, with the that, jail I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on board with that.
0: put them up against the fantastic. jailblazers and that is one hell of a rivalry the jailblazers run, 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 run THC,
1: THC. I, am, I am going to remember that that is um, beautiful alright so you have stolen Hersey Hawkins from me as the, the the Clippers are on the board at six but they are drafting for the Sixers uh in that trade we we just talked about three picks ago so if I'm Philadelphia and my number one choice that the two was off the board uh I still have some very fine options and I am certainly going to take one of them uh out of Central Michigan the Clippers on behalf of the Philadelphia 76ers select Dan Marley. Thunder Dan Marley. Thunder Dan Marley. Uh, ironic nickname because he was, by the end of his career, he was known for hitting three-pointers. So, uh, yep, Dan Marley, uh, as, as I've been over this on Twitter today, he was famously booed on draft day because, you know, Central Michigan obviously didn't get on TV very much. We didn't have the internet the only names that people knew on draft day were the names from the big college schools. And Marley was kind of, even though he was a a celebrated college player, he was on the U S Olympic team. Uh, so it's not like he was a nobody, uh, but to the average fan, he kind of wasn't nobody. So I I'm, I'm still not sure who the, the Phoenix fans wanted, uh, the Suns to select, but they, they, they booed the pick of Dan Marley, uh, it it was just not a good look because almost immediately Marley was a contributor and he was part of this uh, Phoenix resurgence. We're about to see starting this season. uh, That's going to go on for, you know, over a decade where the Suns are going to be, you know, a contender level franchise after being miserable uh, really through for the last five years, Uh, all multiple, all defensive selections, multiple three-time all-stars. One of them, uh, he made it primarily at the time when he ma- was named to the team. He was coming off the bench. He was a six man. Uh, one of the greatest uh, three-point shooters of the 90s, as as I just mentioned. Uh, deep, deep range guy. Uh, people today would love him. And I, I think he and Charles Barkley. Yeah, how about that? I, I paired up Charles Barkley and Dan Marley. It's one of his favorite, favorite teammates in Phoenix, I have paired them up uh, five years early in, in Philadelphia. So who knows? Maybe that – yeah, I'm not going to oversell it. But just, just maybe pairing uh, Thunder Dan with Prime Charles Barkley in Philadelphia, maybe that will actually spur them to try to keep the thing alive rather than uh, tearing it down in 92 and trading Sir Charles.
0: That would certainly be an interesting situation to see those two in Philly and maybe Charles never leaves um... – But, yeah, I like it. Dan Marley, um, you know, great player. Michigan guy. Everybody loves him. Um, Except for Michael Jordan, who was hell-bent on embarrassing him. Uh, All right. The Phoenix Suns are up. And my original plan was to bring Danny Manning to Phoenix several years early. Um, And now I don't have that anymore and dan marley's gone and who am i gonna pick so i'm i've got it i've got it narrowed down between two guys um i could either go big with a power forward but you've got tom chambers there um you know i don't know how much times tom chambers has left in the in in phoenix um well it looks like he's gonna play here for at least one two three four five six six more years whether it's right or not Um, you know, or I could go with a shooting guard, which is what they selected anyways. So I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to go with a a shooting guard and I'm going to bring a guy who is eventually going to play for the Phoenix suns here early. Uh, I'm going to bring social media influencer, Rex Chapman to the uh, Phoenix suns. Look, You know, uh, Kids today, they follow Rex Chapman. They have no idea that at one point in time, Rex was kind of a bucket. Like, Rex could play. Uh, he wasn't He wasn't a bad player, and he was a highly drafted, highly sought-after guy coming out of Kentucky. Um, you know, a guy that gets you just about 15 points a game. Uh, he could do a lot of things. He was on a lot of great teams. Um, yeah, yeah, Rex Chapman and, and Kevin Johnson in the backcourt. Maybe you... I don't know what you do with Jeff Hornacek. Um, you think he could play small forward? I don't know. Maybe he's a little too short for that. I don't know. Um, but you make it work. Hornacek's not going to last here much longer anyways. So Rex Chapman, Kevin Johnson backcourt early. I like it.
1: Yeah, so this very much to me is a move for the future uh, because Rex Chapman was not very good. uh, his, uh when, when he uh joined the nba media, a lot of that had to do with the fact that he went to the hornets and expansion team right uh but it wasn't really until he left the hornets that his career started to take off when he was in uh washington and most notably phoenix or he started to really become you know the, the hired gun rex chapman that and in miami too uh you know famously he lit up the the 90 the famous the famed in 96 Chicago Bulls he lit them up i think for 93 pointers, i think 38 39 points or something that night and they they beat the they beat that bulls team <laughs> great great shooter uh pretty pretty athletic too he was in the slam dunk contest once uh-huh. uh i i can't hate this pick even though kind of screws me at number 8 because at number 8 uh the aforementioned uh, expansion Hornets are up. And yeah, Rex Chapman was kind of looking pretty good to me, even though I know ultimately it doesn't work out in Charlotte. You're, but I'm, you're tri- I'm, I'm sorry,
0: you're selecting their very first player in franchise history. No pressure. Oh, their
1: they're, they're nope. first college draft pick, the expansion draft pick is long, okay. uh, long over by this point. Muggsy Bogues is already a Hornet. I know that. Okay. And Kelly Trapuca. <laughs> Yeah, former former Pistons Piston. But He's going to get All Star votes playing in Charlotte. By the way, uh, the more to come on that later. So, with the number eight pick in the nineteen eighty eight uh, NBA redraft, uh, the Charlotte Hornets are going to, <laughs> you know what, the Charlotte Hornets are going to select uh, one Vernon Maxwell. Oh, okay. Yep. Mad Max. And the the reason for that is I I know the Hornets are going to they're they're going to get their two guard in Kendall Gill. They're going they've already got their point guard in Muggsy Bogues. I, I don't see anyone on the board that's clearly better than those guys. Well, no, no, I don't um well at least better fits and then you, they're going to get Larry Johnson they're going to get Alonzo Mourning they're going to get high draft picks I, I know this I'm an I'm expansion team I'm a, I know I've got those high picks coming and I would like to have a little bit better floor spacing than that that Hornets team had and what what better player to space the floor than uh Mad Max himself uh Vernon Maxwell uh Yet another 90s two guard, which was just he was a remorseless gunner when he got hot. Uh, no conscience at all, he could light up any team. You you kind of had to pull him out of the game at times because he could, he was capable of shooting you out, but more often than not, a uh, great irrational confidence guy. Uh, really saved uh, Houston's season in 1994. Everyone remembers Elijah one carried that team, but. When they went into Phoenix for Game Three, already down 0-2, and then they fell behind double figures in Game Three. Vernon Maxwell was the guy that turned that series around and allowed the Rockets to come back and win that series and eventually the championship. And that is one of those unsung moments that I will always remember for that decade. So, if if Vernon Maxwell can help out a Olajuwon like that, I think he can. I think he can help out an expansion team.
0: There you go. Vernon Maxwell to the Hornets. Uh, That leaves me with the first college uh, draft pick for the Miami heat. And I'm looking over what the Miami heat did in their expansion draft. And they absolutely neglected to get a point card. Uh, At least a good one. Um, Let me list these names to you real quick, Keith. You've got Clinton Wheeler, uh, Pearl Washington, who, you know, um, is kind of a, kind of a high school legend but never really yeah
1: street yeah, street, yeah. street legend out street, of New York. street
0: legend yeah uh but never really you know got to that uh,
1: He wasn't good in
0: the pros i think he only played like three years um, yeah. anthony taylor <clears throat> craig neal and then their top point guard this year was rory sparrow who was like the most inconsistent guy in the world so I- i'm gonna go ahead and select rod strickland to be this team's first big, uh, big time point guard. Um, I'd love Strickland. You know, I think he's, he's one of the unsung guys from the, from the nineties in, in terms of point guards. um, You know, he was, he he was a guy that was, he was fast. He'd get a lot of assists. Um, He was a double, double guy for a year or two. He was really great with Washington, uh, really good in San Antonio, Portland, every, every place this guy played, he, He was good, and he he made the team better. Um, I still think that that Washington Wizards team with him and Juwan Howard and and Chris Weber and all those guys and Rasheed Wallace should have stuck together. They really could have been something. Um, But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Rod Strickland to the Miami Heat. He is going to uh, get this team on the right track.
1: So you, you passed on the Brooklyn point guard to draft one from the Bronx, uh, Rod Strickland. Yes. Uh, one one of the very many, uh, excellent ball handlers that came out of the the city of New York in the eighties and nineties, uh, for, for whatever reason, they could all handle the ball, could all pass the ball. None of them could shoot. And Rod Strickland was no exception. Uh, one of the, you know, he's arguably the best, you know, pure ball handler, uh, Of his time of of the 90s he really is he's that good despite the fact that everybody in the court knew that he was not going to beat you outside the paint he would still get two feet in the paint just about every time he wanted to um never made an all-star team but was the nba's assist leader at one point uh he 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 quarterbacks some some very good teams never quite championship level but Look, the names you just listed off, Rod Strickland is far better than any of them. And I'll tell you what, if, if you're looking at that Heat team in the early 90s with Steve Smith and Glenn Rice and Ronnie, well, they won't have Ronnie Sykley, but Steve Smith and Glenn Rice, uh, look, I, I think that they could actually be one of the top you know, four or five seeds in the East if you uh, put Ron Sykley along that that young core. So that's, I think this is a really nice pick. Uh, All right. So the, the, the Spurs and man, if you're the Spurs, you're you're thinking that the whole league is against you. Uh, The 1987 NBA draft, you, you selected David Robinson, uh, one of the the prize number one picks of the entire decade with the knowledge that you're not going to get him, until 19, until the summer of 1989, when his naval commitment uh, runs up. So despite having the number one pick last year, you've got nothing for that uh, in, in the 1986, 87 season, you, you finished with the sixth worst record in the league somehow. And yet you made the playoffs, which took you out of the lottery. <laughs> and on top of that, you had two expansion teams drafting ahead of you. So despite having the sixth worst record in the league, you were actually drafting 10th and, <laughs> and that is not going to help you whatsoever. Uh, So the, the, the San Antonio Spurs and I, I know I was terrible last year, even though I made the playoffs somehow, I know I'm going to be terrible this season because I still won't have David Robinson. So really I, I, this is almost like an expansion team where you're just picking for talent. And as I'm looking forward, I know I've got David Robinson coming. I don't have any great guards coming, uh, coming down the pipe. And that was the one thing that the Spurs in the nineties really never had was a, a really, really, really good uh, shooting guard. And I see this, this kid that nobody, nobody's talking about named John Starks. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'll tell you what, I think he's just perfect for San Antonio and that is who I'm going to pick. I can't believe John Starks felt a 10th in a redraft. Like, I, I get it. He's kind of a punchline with Reggie Miller outclassing him in a lot of playoff series. But that's Reggie Miller. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, John Starks is still a pretty damn good player. He was an all-star in his own right at, at his peak. Uh, very, very good defender. Uh, not the greatest playmaker, but he was a hell of a three-point shooter. Uh, great motor. Uh, n- never stopped hustling the city of New York fell in love with him really almost immediately just because of how hard he worked for being a guy that in his own draft, nobody picked him. Nobody picked him. So yeah, he went from begging groceries to, you know, getting to the, he, he finally got his call up uh, in the early nineties with the Knicks and, you know, what with the Spurs, what do I care if, it takes them a little while to develop. I I'm going nowhere next year. Anyway, this is an investment in the future. And I think that the Spurs are going to be an even better team with John Starks and they were without him. Uh, once David Robinson, uh, finally joins my team.
0: Yeah, I can't argue with it. I think it's, you know, it, the guy was like the heart and soul of that next team. I mean, you know, just a, a guy that, it was like a rabid Wolverine. I think he just, I mean, attacked the rim, you know, just um, real passionate too. a couple of fights every now and again, but that's, that's New York man, and that's, you know, but I don't know. I don't know if he fits in with that, with that sort of a- attitude in the, in with Spurs, but who knows? Um, all right. So I've got the Chicago Bulls. And I've got some decisions to make. and I think the real easy thing to do here is just you know, we just traded Charles Oakley um and and it and it sucks, and Michael Jordan's upset, and that was kind of the rough and tumble guy on this team who could snatch down rebounds and um, you didn't want to mess with him and uh, I think that there's another guy in this draft that is exactly exactly that for the most part. Um, maybe he's a little bit more trouble, actually, to be yeah. honest. Uh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to go ahead and you absolutely are right. I'm going with Tennessee State's Anthony Mason. Um, I think that he fits, he fits kind of in with that, with that, uh, with that squad. He's kind of, you know, a poor man's Charles Oakley, if you will. Um, I think that that's the exact type of guy they needed to go against the bad boy Pistons. Um, you know i'm i still i mean i i get that you think trading away uh charles oakley for bill cartwright was a good idea i i still think it was a bad idea but um I anthony mason poor man's charles oakley that's what you're gonna get and uh you know it was tough because i thought about maybe taking another guy but but mason's the man as long as he can stay out of trouble which he won't
1: yeah it's kind of difficult because he's i think he's the uh, clearly the best player left point uh everyone remembers him as one of the new york enforcers but he was so much more than that uh not not great range but he could shoot mid-range he could post he could handle the ball exceptionally well for a guy with with his bulk uh he actually played uh once he left the knicks they traded him to charlotte for larry johnson he played point forward for them uh people forget that he was playing power forward and running the offense at the same time uh he legitimate all-star at his peak uh how does he fit out on in this bulls team uh you know years and years away from his prime like you said if nothing else he he fits that enforcer role that that was voided by charles oakley i, I do wonder how the minutes are going to go with he and horace grant because we've now recreated that that minutes uh clog at the power forward position but you know i i think having two really good power forwards is a much better problem than having none so so with the uh 12th pick uh the Washington Bullets, and this pick has kind of come full full circle because they originally traded it to the Sixers uh, in 1984 for Tom Sewell and then they got it back from the Sixers when they when they when they traded uh Jeff Ruin for Moses Malone so and, and imagine trading for Moses Malone and the other team gives you a first round pick to take, to take him. So the, the bullets drafting on behalf of the bullets, uh, they actually had a pretty decent season with, uh, with Moses Malone and Jeff Malone. They, 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 they finished uh, in the, in the playoffs pretty solidly. They gave the Pistons a hell of a fight in the first round, the bad boys. But they are about to lose Moses Malone to the Atlanta Hawks in free agency. So there is going to be a massive void at the center position. And there really aren't any centers available. So that is going to hurt me as well. Uh, Jeff Malone isn't going to carry me anywhere. I don't see uh, a really good point guard on this team. So I I am just going to draft uh, for talent. And that makes this an easy pick. I will select one, Charles Smith. It's right pick. Yep, and, and Charles Smith uh, originally wound up being a, a Clipper at the early uh, part of his career. A uh, very, very productive guy. Uh, it's another guy that could play the the three, the four, the five, uh, depending on the type of roster you had. Extremely athletic, uh, strong. Again, and not not the greatest shooter. So if you played him at the three, you were kind of playing you know crash ball the entire game. But he could do it because he did it with the Knicks. And if I'm the Bullets, I, I'm kind of looking staring down the barrel of a a minor rebuilding phase coming up. And I know Charles Smith is he. If nothing else, he's going to grab rebounds. He's going to give me some high value, uh, high volume, uh, high efficiency scoring. I should say. And if nothing else, I can always clearly there are a lot of NBA teams that would love to take him and would trade talent for him. So Charles Smith, I I still appreciate your career, even though New York fans to this day will still not shut up about how you did not dunk the ball in game six against the Bulls in 1993 and got blocked four or five times. But I'm still in your corner because uh, Patrick Ewing kind of set you up to fail there. But that, that's another story for another time.
0: All right. Well, uh, I've got the uh Milwaukee Bucks, or as uh Alice Cooper would say, the Mealywake Bucks, um, which is Ogockland for the good land. If you've seen Wayne's World, you know what I'm talking about. Oh. Okay. Uh <laughs> where that was coming from. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'm full of them. I've got a lot of them, Keith. You gotta stay on your toes with me. Uh, uh there's really not a whole lot going on here in milwaukee you know we've 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 got terry cummings but terry's about to take a massive career dump off um like he's he's gonna go from like a 20 point guy to like a seven point guy uh pretty quick you know so i'm thinking about a pick for the future at small forward um go with a guy who you know can stay healthy who can who can do some things, get you some rebounds, get you at least fourteen points a game, that sort of thing. I'm going to take the guy who was originally the fourth pick in this draft. Uh, I'm going to select Chris Morris out of Auburn.
1: And uh, what's yeah. that? No, like... I was hoping he would because uh, God, I, nobody remembers Chris Morris except yeah. you, apparently.
0: Yeah, well, no, I just you know, for me, I remember Chris on those Utah teams and just. Yes you know, he was, he was a part of that, it, those, those final teams. And, and, you know, while he didn't score a whole lot of points and everything, he was still like, you know, uh, a viable off the bench guy who was a, a veteran leader at that point.
1: He was uh, a good three and D guy.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, but early on in his New Jersey days, he was a decent, he was a decent player who, like I say, could get you 14 points a game, maybe six, seven rebounds a game. Um, and that's the kind of thing that, that, that you want to see. So you know, you stash him on the on the bench a little bit for a few more years while Terry Cummings is uh still your best player. Um, and then once Terry kind of takes uh you know that uh that, that fall off, you know, Chris should be ready to go.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, Chris Moore is I actually believe it or not, I remember him more for shattering the backboard with the New Jersey Nets. Uh yeah, he obviously he had his his most team success on those Stockton Malone, Utah teams in the late nineties. But even before that, he was a really, really fun player. Could, could shoot from distance, uh, pretty athletic, uh, just another one of those nineties guys that unless you were around at the time, 99 out of a hundred NBA fans would have no idea who Chris Morris is, but um, I'm glad we get to spotlight him here. (laughs) All right, so uh, with the 14th pick, and this is Phoenix drafting on behalf of the Cavs. This is the pick that the Cavs sent uh, the Suns in the deal that sent uh, Larry Nance to Cleveland and Kevin Johnson to Phoenix. So th- this, this is Phoenix's other payoff from that, besides in, you know, in a future All-NBA guard in Kevin Johnson. Hell of a deal for them. So... If I'm looking at the Suns and the Suns, you've already drafted me, Rex Chapman, uh, <laughs> to go along. I already have Jeff Hornacek and Kevin Johnson, so I I have so many guards that I I have I have, I already don't know what to do with the guards that I have. And man, Chris Morris would have fit right in there. You killed me by picking him. Yeah. So. Well, I'm used to being on the other end of this. All <laughs> right, so. So what do I do? What do I do? Um, I'll I'll tell you what, my next, out of my, off of my big board, I've got four players uh, remaining on my big board and three of them are point guards. I am going to take the one that isn't. And I am going to select uh, Horace Grant's uh, brother, Harvey Grant. Jeremy uh, Grant's dad. Yep. Jeremy Grant's dad. Uh, Horace Grant's uh, twin. So uh, Harvey Grant, well, not nearly as successful an NBA player as Horace Grant. uh, uh, did do some things that Horace Grant didn't do. Uh, Most notably, he could shoot. Uh, He was more of a wing than a power forward, even though he he could play that if you needed him to. Didn't quite have great three-point range, but could shoot a little bit. Uh, Wonderful mid-range guy. Pretty good defender, long arms. I really like uh, Harvey Grant here because Phoenix, look, Phoenix has so many guards already. They needed a big wing. And it, look, even in the this big turnaround that we keep talking about, they since they traded Larry Nance away, they still need a big wing, especially since we don't have – they would have taken Dan Marley in this draft, but he's already off the board. So I, I don't think uh, – th- this redraft certainly hurts – uh, the, the Suns more than it helps them. Uh, but I, at the very least, I think Harvey Grant fits this roster extremely well. He is going to help them, uh, win some games, and they are going to win a lot of games even without him.
0: Yeah, I think ultimately the Suns come away better than, than they were before. I mean, their original pick was, uh, early on was Tim Perry, who, you know, Tim Perry did not did not work yeah. out you know he, so well he
1: wound up he wound up being one uh the fodder that went the salary fodder that went to philadelphia in the charles barkley deal
0: yep and then a few years after that he was out of the league yeah uh, so yeah no i think i think we made the suns uh much better team um
1: but really We're sacrificing dan marley
0: yeah well, i mean we got rex chapman we'll be all right rex chapman jeff hornacek uh kevin johnson harvey grant i think that's it you know and um you know i think it's a fine team who else is on that team let's just look at it real quick
1: are you talking about the 89 Suns? yeah the
0: 1989 Suns. all
1: right you got kj you got marley you've got yeah. tom chambers uh you've got mark west
0: yes and armand gilliam and i think this is a pretty good team man i really do it's it-
1: They are a very good team. I think Cotton Fitzsimmons wins Coach of the Year that season because they're so much better than people thought.
0: Oh, EJ's on this team too.
1: Yep, Yep. Uh, Eddie Johnson. That's another. Yeah, that's that's another two guard that I even forgot about. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't Uh, know. Like Rex Chapman is never going to play on this team. No,
0: probably not uh maybe I don't know
1: uh all right but, but again as I said Rex Chapman wasn't very good his first couple his first couple of years with Charlotte anyway so if, right. going forward I, I I still think it's a a good value pick for them but in the future because they have so much talent already if you, if it's crazy if you look at where the Phoenix Suns roster was you know two years before uh this 89 team and where where they got to uh it, it's pretty incredible the job that that the Suns did in overhauling their roster from uh, one of arguably the worst team in the league to a contender in just two years. They're in the conference finals this season. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, uh, it's not bad. And and I think you know, like I said, I still think we made them better. But uh, uh, all right, so the Pistons did not have a first round draft pick in this in this draft, but they did have the thirtieth uh, draft pick, which was the second round pick. And they selected the uh, legendary Fennis Dembo out of Wyoming. Um, You want to tell the good people about Fennis Dembo?
1: Uh, Sports Illustrated cover boy Fennis Dembo out of uh, Wyoming. Uh, Forget that. Uh, He he was actually a very, very good college player, uh, despite being stuck in Wyoming. Uh, But, you know, most uh, draft analysts correctly predicted that his – his style, because he got by a lot on athleticism in a weaker conference. So a, a lot of a lot of analysts correctly predicted that he wouldn't have the level of success in the league that he had in college, and they were absolutely right. Uh, he he lasted one year with the Bad Boys, uh, picked up a ring, and then that was kind of it. it, it it's kind of funny the uh, the the eighteen picks later, the Pistons picked up a, a better player in Michael Williams who wound up having a real NBA career for himself uh, once he got off the Pistons and found his way to the Pacers where they didn't have Hall of Fame guards in front of him.
0: Yeah, it was really good in Minnesota there for a while as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, as I recall, he set some free throw shooting records while he was there.
0: So, uh, you know, in, in our world, with Fennestempo obviously not being the pick, <laughs> um, you know, let's, let's do our thing where you, you pick a guy. I pick a guy. uh, What do you think? I'll let you go first. Who would be the best? All
1: right. So I I think I have a feeling that we may pick the same guy. I think so. And there are a lot of guys left on the board, but I have a feeling we may pick the same guy because the very last thing the Pistons need at this point is another guard. So Avery Johnson, I'm going to give him a shout out. Steve Kerr, Gary Grant, all good quality NBA players. They're all off my board because they wouldn't play on this team. They wouldn't play on this team and they'd wind up where Michael Williams wound up, which is having a good NBA career on another team. I don't want my pick to have a good career on another team. I want them to stay in Detroit. And there is one clear pick here. And that is one grant long out of yep. Eastern Michigan. Yep. That's was Exactly. That, was that was, your pick? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. See, we're, we're getting on the same way of playing here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grant, Grant Long, despite not – again, not an all-star caliber player, but had a very, very fine career for himself. Uh, he – again, not not quite the inform- – I don't know if he he fits like the bad type, uh, bad boy enforcer role type, but you know, he he certainly wasn't a pushover either. He was a big physical, power forward, could shoot, could handle a little, a little bit. Really one of those blue guys that kind of made every team – better for him being on it at least in the first part of his career I would if if I if I was the Pistons I had the 15th pick I would take Grant Long without hesitation because I think especially with that that infamous expansion draft coming up next season and I know I'm not I'm probably going to lose uh one of my big men most likely Rick Mahorn I mean how nice would that have been to have Grant Long to step right into that role after losing Rick Mahorn. I mean you're you're still taking a hit but not nearly as much of a hit as I think the Pistons wound up taking because in 91 that the loss of Mahorn really really hurt. You you really started to see that.
0: Absolutely. And and you know with with Grant Long he's got one of those things that I love and what's that? longevity. Guy plays till 2003. He's 36 years old when he retires from the Boston Celtics. Uh, and you know, he was, he played 41 games that year. Uh, obviously his scoring ability went way down and yep. a lot of his other abilities went way down in minutes, you know, more than anything went way down. But, uh, you know, obviously this is a guy who played for the Teal Pistons, uh, played for Atlanta, played for Vancouver, Memphis, you know, he was kind of a journeyman if you will, but, um, you know, uh, keep it in the family. His dad played for the Pistons. His uh, cousin, Terry Mills, played for the Pistons. So, you know, why not come to the Pistons a, way early and then just spend the rest of your career here? Uh, yeah.
1: Up. And if you look at his career, I mean, he he started on a lot of teams that made the playoffs. 15 points, eight rebounds, uh, just under three assists per game, starting for the Miami Heat, 92. They made the playoffs. Uh, once they they traded him to Atlanta, uh same thing. Uh, he started for Atlanta for a, a couple years, and they made the playoffs both times. Double figure score, nearly a double digit uh, rebounder. I just just a rock solid uh, guy, kind of in the the Armand Gilliam role, where he's kind of forgettable because he didn't like he wasn't a very splashy player, and he didn't play on any splashy teams. But when you look at, like you said, when you look at Grant Long's career, the amount of years that he played. And for pretty good teams, he was really effective, pretty efficient. I, I don't want to see I'm second-guessing myself already by not taking him uh, somewhere earlier than this. But, yeah, uh, Gr- Grant Long, nice player. Uh, yep. Still uh, well-known to Pistons fans of today because of uh, his relation to uh, Valley Sports. Yep, you could see him every every night the Pistons play. Him and, uh, and Mickey uh, will...
0: Or um, gosh, it's it's Mickey, right? Mickey York. Yeah. Yep. Him and Mickey York. Sorry, Mickey. If you listen, this, this
1: was kind of this was kind of the broadcaster draft. If you really look at it, you got Steve Kerr. Yep. Uh, you got Tim Legler. You got Grant Long. Uh, there, there's probably somewhere else. Someone, uh, Avery Johnson. I, I you could qualify him as as a broadcaster. I think uh, Chapman's done some calls. Yeah. I... Yeah. Rex Chapman. Yeah. Uh, the so, social media, like, there, this is like. The, the the broadcaster draft the player broadcaster draft in nba history this is kind of interesting
0: yeah i want to say strickland worked for the Wizards oh, there for a
1: minute eddie uh, johnson eddie johnson's been doing Suns games for decades how am yep. i forgetting him it's yeah. no well i saying eddie johnson it wasn't in this draft we were just talking about him my mistake
0: uh brian shaw did brian shaw call some games he might have done something with the nba uh tv or something but i don't know
1: uh, oh tom tolbert how could how could i forget yeah, tom Tol- yep
0: tom tolbert yep that's another one
1: he was kind of like the, the charles barkley-ish character before barkley uh retired and did broadcasting
0: uh fennis dembo used to call some games right no okay
1: uh, yeah i don't recall that one <laughs>
0: all right well that's the 1988 nba draft uh these things are fun as always love doing them uh, next time we've got the uh nineteen eighty nine draft coming up and that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a really interesting one if you're a big fan of Pooh Richardson or Purvis Ellison um uh, there's gonna be that's that one's gonna be interesting that's gonna be wow just looking at the names on this this is this one's gonna be this might be hard <laughs> if we're if we're talking honestly this might be a difficult one well Uncle yeah, Cliff... this
1: was yeah, 1988 was kind of the mediocre draft that was the fun draft that, you know, everybody was positive about. Uh, 1989 actually, I think, has a little more talent at the very top. But as we're, I think we're going to have a little more uh, of a difficult time uh, finding value at the bottom of this draft.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Oh, Sean Kemp is in this draft. Jeez, what am I doing? Tim Hardaway yeah. too. I'm missing guys. So yeah, I, there,
1: there's there. Yeah, okay. there, there's a lot more talent at the, at the top, even mm-hmm. though I, I still don't think there's that that quote unquote can't miss superstar, but there's, yeah, there's more top end talent than we had in this previous one.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Uh, but as for next week, we are uh, covering another piston and we're doing a big one. I, le- I mentioned last week, it was uh, Pistons royalty, and that's because we're covering the Palace Prince himself, Tayshawn Prince, on next week's episode. Uh, this is this is huge. I I, everybody loves Tayshon Prince of obviously. We're going to talk about the block. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about his it. Memphis Grizzlies days. I can't wait. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and and we're going to try something a little bit new next week. I'm going to go ahead and and tell you today, and then I'll remind you later on Twitter. Um, we want you guys to send in some questions uh, that we're going to answer during the podcast. Uh, Tayshawn prints um, relevant questions and uh, we will do our best to give you uh, some great answers to those two or three, maybe four questions. Uh, go ahead and hit us up on our Twitter at bad boys beyond ask away. Uh, and we'll pick our favorite four questions, um, maybe more and we'll get you some answers. So, um, before we get out of here keith uh tell them where you're on twitter and what you're working on these days
1: so all right my name is uh keith black trudeau i'm my twitter handles at charlatan 28 i run a little twitter uh account that well it's it's a basketball history based account but i i do a lot of uh i cut up a lot of videos uh Based on uh, previous NBA players, and this past weekend, I, as Mike just mentioned, we I I did a whole lot of videos on players that are in this draft. Uh, Mitch Richmond, I did one on Rex Chapman, I, I did one on Danny Manning. Uh, if if you're a little bit on the younger side and you don't remember these players, go to my Twitter account, and chances are I have done a a video of. Uh, summarizing at at least one player that you're curious about yeah Um, i've even even done grant long if you want to if you (laughs) want to do a back search on my twitter there is a grant long highlight video i i promise you it is there this is not a joke
0: yeah go look for it i'm sure it's i'm gonna look for it after we get on here because it's what? how long is it a couple minutes maybe
1: well i twitter caps you at two minutes 20 seconds but yeah I, i i I don't remember exactly how long it is, but it, it might be close to two minutes. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty hard sure hard. I'm pretty sure I have every three pointer that Grant Long hit in his Pistons career in there.
0: All right. Well um if you're young and and uh, you want to learn about these guys, go to his Twitter, watch these videos, listen to this podcast. We've got all the information for you. We're getting closer to the nineties in these redrafts, so um you younger people are going to start knowing these names a little bit more when we get to the Shaquille O'Neal's and the Chris Webber's of the world um but and and even farther LeBron James that's a long way down the road but we'll eventually get to those drafts eventually we'll catch up um but that's a that's a ways away
1: coming is coming in spring of 2023
0: yes 2020 spring is that when we're doing LeBron uh
1: well I don't know let's see it's the Fifteen drafts from now, we're doing it bi-weekly so that's thirty weeks. That's probably what uh, seven, seven, eight months from now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the spring, maybe early summer. Uh, we okay. should get to the two thousand three draft.
0: There you go. I figured I think earlier that ninety seven would be about December ish or something like that, November ish, December ish, something like that. I don't know. I can't wait for that one. I think that. Uh, that's going to be our, our my favorite show that we'll ever do, but um, we'll see when we get to that. So again, I am Mike uh, Payton on Twitter at pod underscore Payton, uh, right for a Pride of Detroit. It is almost time for the Lions. You got the last episode of Hard Knocks coming out tonight. What have I been telling you every week? come to your podcast feed, listen to this show tomorrow morning. And then right after that, go to pride of Detroit, read my thoughts on the fourth episode of hard knocks, and then keep it locked to pride of Detroit, because we've got a lot of stuff going on with the final cuts uh, that happened earlier today. We're taping this on Tuesday. Uh, We've got a lot of analysis about that. We'll have waiver wire stuff for you to look at. And we've got a whole bunch of things, predictions, season stuff coming up. Um, Everything you could possibly want is at Pride of Detroit. Uh, Come visit us there. Check out our work. And we will see you next week with Tayshawn Prince.